Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. Just as a heads up, this is me recording in full-on Diet Mountain Dew Detox. I'll get to that more later, but, uh, I got, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way there. I got a migraine. I got, I got the shakes. It's not that bad, but it's, it's worse than I thought it would be. So I'll talk about that in a little bit, but because this is fresh on my mind and I just experienced the craziness I do want to talk about and just give a special shout out to any moms, dads, grandparents, babysitters that are dropping off their children in a school drop-off line today. I'm only, look, this shout out is reserved. It doesn't go to everybody, so don't take it if you don't, if you don't earn it. This shout out is reserved for those who observe the rules of the drop-off line and drop off appropriately. Even my seven-year-old yesterday yelled at a guy. That's how bad it is. She said, it's called a drop-off line, not a take-him-to-the-door line. If you want to walk him to the door, park. I was like, amen, sister. You got a good point. Look, when you're in a drop-off line, if if you don't have kids and you're not familiar with the hell that is a drop-off line at school, essentially... It's exactly what it's called. You drive in on some finangled, uh, you know, formation in front of the school or the back of the school or whatever it is. You're ch- you have to wait in this ungodly long line. Even if you get into the line and it looks like your kid's going to be on time, they're guaranteed to be late because the drop-off line moves at, a, at the, the speed of molasses. And then what you have to do that makes your blood just boil to the point of just overflowing is you sit there and you watch as people do not observe the rules. You watch as they don't pull forward because they're not paying attention and so there's big gaps and then you're in time's wasting and then you watch them as they get out of the car and walk their child all the way up to the door or my personal favorite that makes me want to just straight up rage you watch them from your vehicle until they get to the car come on our school now some schools you may need to do that i'm not going to discount you know some schools that may you may need to follow them make sure they get in the school our school is literally fort knox they took the security measures to the max i'm not mad at them but it's it's it feels like you're dropping them off to prison there's there's (laughs) there's it really now that I'm saying that it's so funny because it really does if you could see it I wish I could put a picture up on Instagram or something maybe I will tomorrow you can there's 12 foot tall fences they might as well roll barbed wire at the top of them they're so big and sturdy every single gate's locked with a giant pal I mean you can't get into that school if you wanted to and I'm happy about that it'd take a major feat of physical uh physical agility to scale these fences or, or to scale these fences are so tall and uh secure and then on top of that even once you do scale them all the doors are locked you know but i'll say when my son so my daughter's in first grade this just shook down last year where they put all these major major security uh you know measures and fences and locks and everything in place i will say though 
not within the past five years, I used to go, you know, and volunteer quite a bit with my son and his school when he was in elementary. And, uh, I would just walk in, I would have parents or teachers that would just let me walk in through the back door. And it made me really nervous because of, you know, obviously all of the school shootings and things that had happened. Um, I didn't feel like at that point that the school was really taken seriously, the security needs that were, you know, I think there. And so they, uh, somebody in administration said, uh, we got to step it up and they step it up. They did my goodness. But yeah, so also I'm giving a shout out to any of the, um, you know, guardians, caregivers who follow the rules. I already feel bad because I actually do have to get out of my car and lift up the baby's car seat to let my daughter out because she sits in the middle. So I'm like running because I feel bad doing that. Uh, but yeah, I'm also giving a shout out to all the moms in the world who go through a drop-off line and have not just full outraged. I don't know how there's not more like YouTube videos of just moms and full-on fist fights and school, school drop-off lines because the level of frustration is high and, uh, it's just a, it's a terrible, terrible place to be. I'd rather drink bleach than get stuck in that school drop-off line. I'll tell you that right now. Man, it's terrible. But, yeah, that's that's what I, I was... I was in it this morning, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I just wish that they would, like, hand... They should, like, hand out stickers. Every mom that comes through and does it the right way, they should give them a sticker or, like, a, a coupon for a free box of wine or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that would encourage the appropriate uh, drop-off practice. Um, yeah, so good, good job. Good job. If you're doing it right, if you're not, get it together, open the door, push your kid out and and get it rolling, get it rolling. Oh boy. It's Tuesday y'all. I also have to, uh, apologize because last week I ramped up that I was going to be recording on Thursday of last week with my friend Jill and her, uh, African-American friend, Natasha, and just really ramped it up, talked about it, talked about some of our topics, made a point of saying the date over and over and over, told y'all to look for it, just really, really pushed it hard. So Thursday comes, I'm in my mind, I'm ready to go. I'm, I started bedtime our bedtime stuff early we scheduled to record at nine o'clock uh I got all the kids they got all their stuff together got everything you know showered and and cleaned and teeth and all of it get them in bed I come downstairs confident like confident ready to go it's like 902 I text Jill I'm ready when you are she writes me back. She's like, uh, that's all good and well, but it's on the 27th, not tonight. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I look, and sure enough, because she's responsible and organized, and I'm obviously not, she sure sure did text me and say Thursday the 27th, not the 20th. I just looked, saw Thursday, and ran with it. Didn't even bother to pay attention to the date. So, yeah, that episode is coming. I wasn't lying about that. I was lying about the date. It was not last Thursday, and I apologize for that. 
it's coming this coming Thursday. We'll be recording and I'll have it posted on Friday. And uh, so, yeah, if you have, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm experiencing a, a tad bit of nausea from this uh, detox process. I know it seems ridiculous, but I'm going to talk about it and you're going to realize how bad it is. Uh, yeah, but Thursday, if you have any questions or anything that you've had been hesitant to ask your black friends or to ask, uh, or, or you've been thinking and you don't know who to ask, like I said in the last episode, I've been assured that uh, Jill's friend is the one to ask and that she's not easily offended and that she's the one to, um, you know, provide good answers and good information. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm still looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it last week when I had the date wrong. And I'm looking forward to it this week when I'm pretty confident that I have the date correct. Um, another thing that's coming up next month, and I want to get some feedback on this from y'all too, is, and this kind of rolls into my next topic, but uh, just as a to, to put this out there first. Uh, Jill and I will be reading the book Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis and over this next month and uh, then for October's episode with with uh, Jill and I will be recording our official thoughts and uh, review of that book. The way that that went down, I, I, I have not read, well, at this point, I think I've listened to the introduction because I, uh, I'll explain that, but I had not read any of it. I'd seen, obviously, a lot of hype about it, a lot of hype with women in the church, Bible studies, or there's Bible studies going on, there's small groups that are doing the, doing the study, but uh, I had just pretty well accepted that reading a book at this point was not really something that was in the cards for me and uh I used to read a lot I used to read like six or seven books a month and uh I just haven't really I fall asleep that's the problem it's like I want to but I just know I'm gonna start reading this and then I'm gonna I'm gonna be asleep so what's the point um But last week, I came across on Facebook a live feed of Rachel Hollis with her husband. I think they do this every morning where they do a live feed on Instagram or Facebook. I can't remember which one I was on. But she mentioned that she was recording. She was going to Los Angeles to record um, on a couple of podcasts. I wanted to know which ones in particular she was recording on because I've been interested in, in getting connected with other podcasts that are for women or Christian women or business women. And um, I couldn't really track down where she was. And I didn't pay attention enough to the live feed to hear what she said. But I did get on to her website and then happened to, re- you know, realize at that point that she had her own podcast. And so went over on CastBox, looked it up, pulled it up, and... Uh, got to looking at some of the episodes I think they all look pretty interesting I'm planning on listening to more of them but the one that really stood out to me that I happened to listen to um was where she it was actually titled how I went from a size 14 
to a size two. And so I posted on the group Facebook page for It's Me Sam um, that I had listened to that and I really liked what she had to say. And that I, but that I hadn't read her book, and so I didn't really know much about her, but I liked her podcast, and if anybody wanted to check it out. And then, so that's when Jill contacted me, and she was like, I haven't read the book either. Uh, let's do it, and let's, uh, let's do a review on it. So we're going to do that for October. I know there's a lot of people who have read it, and a lot of people who have opinions, and who are, you know, have kind of bought into a lot of hype with that, so... Uh, if you have opinions or you have thoughts, send them my way. I think, you know, honestly, I don't know that our opinion will be too popular because uh, Jill kind of clued me in briefly to some um, just concerns and controversy, I guess, surrounding the book about, you know, is it really appropriate to use for a Bible study? Is it really a... Um, you know, is it really centered around the, the the premises of the gospel? And, you know, so, like I said, I've only listened to the introduction. I actually, um, I, I still, even though we're doing this for October, I still know that I'm not going to be able to read the book. So I uh, went for a uh, trial subscription to Audible <clears throat> for 30 days and uh, downloaded it there. So I'll be listening to it. So I've listened to the introduction. And we'll be listening to the rest of it, and then we'll be doing our review in October, and Jill's doing the same. So, send us your thoughts. Let us know what you think about it, if you've read it. So, getting back to that podcast that I listened to by Rachel Hollis, uh, um, how I went from a size 14 to a size 2. She, when I was listening to it, I was like, my goodness, is are we the same person? Because... She gave kind of a rundown on the, the steps that she took. She said it took her, um, you know, over the period of about five years to get to that point from the, those sizes. And, but the things that she ran down, I mean, I'm not going to go, I don't want to like steal her uh, material, but the things that she went through and that she gave up and that she was struggling with, I was like, these are the nearly the exact same things that I'm dealing with. So I am going to talk about the one of them, um, a couple of them, as I mentioned at the beginning here, the one thing that she, the first thing that she did was she said she also had a, um, major addiction to diet soda, as did I, (laughs) as do I, I'm realizing. (coughs) Oh, I, uh, I hate to really even say this because I know it's going to be out in the world now and then I'm going to be held accountable for it, but I need it. I need the accountability. I have decided to give up Diet Mountain Dew and uh, I, I know in the grand scheme of like hurricanes and uh, you know African children starving all over the world and even you know children starving in my own back door and and I know in the grand scheme, like, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like that I don't acknowledge that this is a first world problem and that I, that I, uh, (laughs) I'm like so consumed with myself that I think that this is a big deal, but I do want to just say that in this process, one thing that she mentioned that I think that I am really trying to hold on to and commit to is she talked about how... 
in our lives as women especially you know we make promises to our children we make promises to our friends and our family we make promises to their schools and to their sports teams and we tell that we tell people and we we commit to things with confidence and we follow through with those promises you know yesterday i told the team mom that i would be there to serve dinner to the football team before their away game and I was there and I followed through with that and so why is it that I can make all of these commitments and all of these promises to everyone else in my life but yet when it comes to making a promise to myself I consistently break those promises and those commitments so the one thing that um, that's the one thing I want to just encourage you know anyone who is looking at their whether it's a diet whether it's food or whether it's a habit or something that you you know is not productive in your life that you want to eliminate is just to make a promise to yourself to commit to eliminate that that whatever it is that item and then commit to that and 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 keep that promise to yourself so the promise that I've made even though it's I'm mad about it. I'm really upset. (laughs) The promise that I've made is to give up Diet Mountain Dew. She actually talked about how she just made a commitment initially to stop for 30 days. But uh, I'm I'm pretty well just like I'm breaking up. We're we're in a, we're breaking up. We're not taking a break. We're not going to revisit the relationship. Like I just. I'm acknowledging that I had a really long and uh, unhealthy relationship. I mean, it's, we're talking like 10 years with diet soda, and uh, it's, it's got to come to an end. And so today is technically day one for me of full-on cold turkey. Yesterday, I had a half a can, and then I had a... a a 20 ounce at the football game as my final my final hoorah I saw a friend of mine and I was like I'm about to record about how I'm giving this stuff up so don't you dare tell anybody that you saw me drinking this at the game (laughs) but that was my last day and uh today I'm I'm cold turkey and I I I don't know what's gonna happen I might I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the day I think I'm gonna probably end up end up having to drink coffee because as much as I want to think that I'm not dependent on the caffeine I, th- I think that I'm probably going to realize that I maybe do uh, need a little bit of caffeine just to get through the afternoon maybe but yeah so that's that gone I'm talking folks there were days and days and days that would go by that the only thing that I would drink would be Diet Mountain Dew and I was not drinking water I was not drinking anything else so it's it's uh, flooded my system and been the only thing that I've drank for years and years. And I'm done. I'm not doing it. I've got my uh, water bottle today and I'm just going to be drinking water and hoping that I can make it through the end of the day. <laughs> and again, uh, I acknowledge in the grand scheme of like people that are battling cancer and battling other chronic pain and illnesses, like the fact that I'm not drinking soda anymore is really not that big of a deal but the bigger takeaway is you know if you make a promise to yourself 
stick to it, commit to it, just as you would make, just as you would when you make promises to anyone else. And I'm, I'm hoping to do that. So the other thing that she talked about that I think is, um, you know, really difficult for a lot of working moms, you know, any single moms, it's just a difficult thing to not get caught up in is she gave up, uh, fast food, you know, fast food restaurants. And, um, I had pretty well cut back quite a bit our fast food intake just because of the cost. I hated that I was spending so much money at the grocery store and then I would have food that would waste and then we were eating out a lot on top of that. So I'd really pretty well cut that back. But uh, I'm going to continue to do that. And one of the ways that I'm really excited that I'm going to for sure be able to cut back because I, I... a lot of times would get breakfast at a, at a fast food restaurant because it was like I didn't have time at the house to really get something to eat. Some of the um, quote unquote protein bar options that are like quick options were not protein at all. They're just carbohydrate and sugar laden if you really look into them. And uh, so I would a lot of times get um, something that I thought was maybe a little bit healthier, like oatmeal or an egg or something at a drive-thru. But one thing that <clears throat> she talked about that I've kind of researched a little bit since listening to the podcast and kind of implemented over the past five days or so is she worked with a nutritionist coach. I don't know what she calls herself, but she has a book called Body Love. And, um, she is, her first name is Kelly, Kelly V. So I don't know what the last name is, but if you do a search for body love in like fab four is what she calls it, then you'll find, um, you'll find this book and then you'll find information about the fab four smoothie and the fab four meal, um, you know, diet plan. And, and, you know, I think the thing that I'm just accepting is that at 37 years old, this can't be a diet. This isn't a diet. It's just like going to have to be a way of life, a, ch- a change in my lifestyle. And I'm just going to have to accept the fact that junk food and pizza and stuff like that is just not something that is a, uh, is going to be something that I can participate in anymore. Um, but so the smoothie is her whole premise is that for every meal, You should be able to look at your meal and identify a protein, a fat, a leafy green, and fiber. And so this smoothie um, that I've been making is uh, a scoop of protein powder, a scoop of fiber, which I've been using like a ground flaxseed. I've been using just a quarter of a frozen banana just to give it a little bit less dirt taste (laughs) um and then uh some mct oil which is just like a coconut oil derivative and then um a handful of fresh spinach and i've used water and i've used almond milk and to me it tastes the same both ways so you could go either way um but that for me has been a huge huge solution to my breakfast issue it takes me about four to five minutes maybe to get the ingredients together to get it all into the cup and to get it blended up and then I'm ready to go and and it really does keep me full through the entire day 
or not the entire day, but the entire morning. A lot of what she talks about in the book, I also ended up, I should say, I also ended up downloading um, her book, The Body Love, um, onto Audible, and I've listened to about half of it. She worked, she she talks about it, but she worked in like a super scientific field before she transitioned to being a dietitian and a body coach and all those things. So one thing I really liked about the book, and if you're a big nerd like me, or just want to really understand some more details about food, is that she really gets into a lot of heavy detail about how food affects our bodies and like the science behind you know why you should eat what she recommends that you eat she works with a lot of celebrities who have gone to her for help with like energy and weight loss and uh, preparation for movies and preparation for different special events so she's really I mean there's no way that I could ever work with her because I'm sure she charges thousands and thousands and millions of dollars but her book alone is, is good information. And um, like I said, if you're interested in, you know, maybe trying the smoothie out, if you just do a search even on Pinterest for Fab Four smoothie or her website has a lot of the recipes too. There's all kinds of different recipes and different options. I'm just kind of sticking to this one for now because I like it. It tastes okay. It fills me up. And until I, can, until I use up the ingredients that I have, I'll just stick to this recipe and then maybe once I I do run out of one particular item or something I'll I'll try a different recipe but that's been a huge help um I'm happy to report uh, a little over a week since I recorded my previous episode where I uh you know said that I was going to get it together I'm down eight pounds so you know is six pounds of that water weight you better believe it (laughs) That's what happens. You start something like this, you lose a ton of water weight, and you're like, yeah, I'm killing it. And then it'll be a month before I lose a pound. But um, I'm trying not, I'm I'm not going to get defeated. This is a lifestyle change for me. I know it's going to take time. I know that my body has a lot of healing to do because, like I said, the fact that I haven't been drinking any water at all and only drinking diet soda, I mean, that is, that's a problem. That's problematic. So I know that it's going to take a lot of time and I'm okay with that. I do have one goal. Um, well, I'll say this too. I'm in a, I'm wearing, uh, my starting weight. No, well, I'll just say it because real talk folks, authenticity and vulnerability. (laughs) My starting weight was 230 pounds. Um, I think I mentioned that my weight full on one, like all the way at my due date pregnant with my daughter, the day I delivered her was 240, like 245 right around there. So I was getting there. I was getting close and actually not being pregnant. I've been at that weight one other time. So, and then my, um, pant size I was wearing, like, for my business pants, my work pants, I was wearing a size 20. They don't really have a lot of stretch, if you're familiar with, like, wearing business clothes. They don't really make them with too much stretch. And then for my jeans, like, my stretchy pants or skinny jeans or something like that, I was not, they're not skinny at all. My legs look like damn cedar tree trunks. 
but uh i was squeezing very tightly into a size 16 uh and it was not it was not a good look for anybody i'm sure looking at it or for me and in them i i was i'm still am but i was am very uncomfortable and it's just not 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 right but anyway so that's where i started and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Like I said, I'm down eight pounds and uh, still trucking away and feeling good. Like fe- not feeling too restricted, not feeling like, um, you know, it's too difficult. The, the, the plan that I'm kind of trying to stick to. So I guess the other thing for me that <clears throat> I think a lot of women, um, you know, could look at this and, and try and, and consider that this is a possibility is that I've just accepted, and I've accepted this before, but I, I always kind of, you know, like I said, I yo-yo like it's my job. But I have to acknowledge that, like, sugar and carbohydrates just do not work for me. My whole body, from my mental health to my physical health, just falls apart when I um, eat a lot of sugar or a lot of carbohydrates. So, I'm just... Once again, you know, acknowledging that and uh, hoping that I can stick to it because it is a really much better, I just can't even believe like a week into it, how much more mental clarity that I have. Like I can feel my brain almost (laughs) being more clear and being able to focus better and listen more and multitask better and not feeling cloudy like I I normally would. And I I don't know what's going to happen after I fully detox from this diet Mountain Dew because uh, I'm going to end up like curing cancer or something crazy. My brain's going to be so clear. (laughs) I've heard that diet soda really has a terrible effect on your memory. So I might start recovering all types of memories. So watch out if you're in my past. I might start remembering everything about you. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope that I don't back out, back down on that. If you see me out in public and you're in my world uh, and you see me with the Diet Mountain Dew, call me out. I'm willing for it. I'm ready for it. I need the accountability. I'm, I'm not going to be drinking any more of it. So hopefully that won't be the case. But anyway, that's where I'm at. I, again, I know there's a lot of other things going on in the world. So my, uh, my eating habits and my, uh, my weight loss is not something that I necessarily consider to be that big of a deal or something that, uh, requires very much of your attention. But I, but again, my takeaway for you is just to encourage anyone else, um, who is experiencing uh, just a desire to work towards being healthier or to make changes in your life or to identify things in your health or habits that you have that you'd like to stop doing. Just to really, um, you know, I just want to encourage you. You can do it. You can do it and you can commit to that and you can stick to that commitment and you can make that promise to yourself and you can keep that promise and uh, I'm right there with you, and we're shoulder to shoulder trying not to be uh, unhealthy. So um, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. I wish that I would have the 100 other times that I've tried to do this, that I would have stuck with it so I wouldn't be always struggling when I get to the point of being almost too far gone. Then, then I finally decide to pull it together. But, hey, it is what it is, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll make good progress here. So... Anyway, 
The only other thing I wanted to mention today is something that's become kind of a hot topic, and I, I seems like it's almost in a daily conversation, is this issue of kids with screens, <clears throat> phones, tablets, TV even, gaming systems, all of these things. And when I say kids, I mean, I've seen this be a topic from kindergarten, first grade, all the way, obviously, into high school. So it's a, it's a kid issue starting young, even all the way through. So, um, you know, I remember growing up, <laughs> like I said, I'm 37. I had my first giant Nokia Gosh, I love that phone. I wish I still had it. It was so good. It felt so good in your hand. So good. Giant red Nokia. When I turned 16. Because before that, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to have a phone. Other because I had a home phone. And so if anybody wanted to call me or make contact, they would call my home phone. If anybody wanted to make contact with me in school, uh, they'd send me a note like a real like a real person. <laughs> They'd write it down on paper and fold it up in some crazy origami and then pass it to me in between periods. Uh, if anybody, you know, you know, if my best friend and I wanted to communicate with each other, we kept a journal. We passed it back and forth to each other in between classes. Okay, those were the good old days, and I miss that. I miss those times. Kids don't write notes to each other anymore. They text. They send Snapchats. I can't handle it. But anyway, so, but now you've got this this uh, wave of smartphones and tablets and gaming systems to where uh, it's just what it is. I think as parents, you know, I fought it and I'm fighting it still. And, you know, I know as parents we fight to not to restrict, to, to limit screen time, to this and that. But it's in, it's there. It's gonna, they're gonna have screens, period. Now, what we do with it from there is what I want to talk about. I know I mentioned in the last episode that my son's 11. He'll be 12 in November. He does have a smartphone. I wanted to hold off. I had every intention of waiting until his birthday, but it just played out the way that it did that, you know, I came across this deal and couldn't pass it up. Um, he, before that, has had a tablet. He's had a Kindle Fire. He's had a, um, you know, other little gaming systems and things like that. But my daughter is seven. She doesn't have a phone. I've seen children that are that age that do have phones or have, like, iPods and, um, you know, things. It's all, I'm not judging anyone. I'm not saying there's some magic age for a child to be able to handle a phone or handle a screen because I don't think there is. I think what it comes down to is that as parents, we have to acknowledge that our children, and we have to accept, this is hard to accept about your kid because you want, you don't want to believe this, but we have to accept the fact that our children are going to make poor choices when it comes to screens. It doesn't matter how much parenting and how good of a parent it has no reflection on your parenting. It just comes down to physiologically their little brains cannot handle managing all of the responsibility that comes with a smartphone, with a tablet, with a screen, whatever it is. And so they're going to click on something and 
you know, put a giant virus on your laptop, (laughs) they're going to accidentally stumble across something that's semi-porn that they shouldn't be looking at. They're going to do those things because they can't manage maturity-wise playing out the consequences and playing out you know, what is going to become of them looking at those things or clicking on that ad or clicking on that, you know, pop-up or whatever it is. And so on our end, we have to know, we have to assume that that's going to happen. And so we have to be very proactive and on the, uh, you know, offensive basically to get in there and to be in their business be in their business all the time, every day, having discussions, checking their tablets, checking their phones, checking their online activity, checking their texts. My son has an app on his phone called Snapchat. And if you're not familiar, um, it is essentially where there's all these like funny picture filters. There's all these uh, funny little you know, emojis and whatever else you can send back and forth to each other. The, the thing that I, and it was essentially created for kids to be able to hide things from their parents. Because when you open the message from one of your friends, it disappears and you can't see it and no one else can see it. So what I've told my son is that, uh, every night he plugs his phone up downstairs he never has it in our house he never has it outside of the living room and he never is permitted he's not permitted to wear headphones when he does have it on so anything that he's doing on it anything that he's listening to or watching I can hear it and so if I hear something inappropriate it's an automatic shut it down and he's all he doesn't you know he's not listening to that whatever it is um But I've told him, you know, every evening I will be on your phone. So just as a heads up. And so I'm looking at his snaps and sometimes it's, you know, like I said, when I open them, he's not going to see them. And so if it's something that's a message from one of his friends, I'll pass it on to him. But outside of that, he just misses it because I'm going to be monitoring, you know, what his friends are saying. Um, He gets text messages. A couple of his little friends text him. I look at every single text message that comes into his phone. I also, if he chooses to be deviant and delete anything off of his phone, I, you know, I have access to our account and can pull everything off of our account to monitor it that way. But what he does know, and so I'm hoping that this will be a deterrent for him, is that what he knows is that at any point that I come across anything that is is something he's not supposed to be doing or is inappropriate that it's an automatic the phone's gone he's done with it like there's no it's one strike you're out like there's no second chances there's no you lose it for a week there's no any of that like it is gone and he I have I have the flip phone that I originally got for him and so he knows that it's literally a minute for me to take the sim card out of his flip phone and put it into or out of the smartphone and put it into the flip phone and then uh, that's that and he'll be rocking a flip phone until he can show me you know again someday that he's mature enough to handle it at this point he's shown me that I feel like he's made good choices I haven't had any concerns but that's where it is I'm not afraid to make him mad at me And, and that's what I think a lot of parents run into is that they're afraid that 
their kids are going to be mad at them because they don't get them a smartphone. They're afraid that their kids aren't going to fit in because they're the only one without a smartphone or they're the only one without Snapchat. Who cares? At the end of it all, this is what I told my son because he used to nag and nag and nag me about how he had to have an Xbox 360 because he needed to be able to play Fortnite. If you're familiar with this online game that's called Fortnite, he had to do it. He had to have it. And it, and it was it was critical for him and all his friends played it and it was just devastating for him that he didn't have it. Here's what I've told him. <clears throat> Guess how many job applications have a portion of the application in which they ask you what type of phone you have? <laughs> uh, zero. Guess how many college applications ask you what type of gaming system you have and how many uh, skins or points or money or whatever it is, levels you are on Fortnite? Also zero. These kids have got to get brought into reality. That these things that they have made so important and have just banked their entire social status on are just not things that are important in the real world. And I think that as parents, that's something that it's it's really important for us to try to ground our kids, not ground them like put them in the room, but I mean just keep them grounded so that they that they can actually like snap out of it. <laughs> snap out of it. It's not the end of the world if you don't have a smartphone. Snap out of it. It's not the end of the world if you're the only one who doesn't have Snapchat. Uh, snap out of it. Your your social life. If your social life is dependent on whether or not you play Fortnite or whether or not you play Snapchat, then your friends aren't great to begin with. And so maybe, maybe it's time to look for other friends. You know, I just think we've got to really clue our kids in to a bigger picture outside of this whole world of screens and technology and phones. And, you know, my son would come home talking about how so-and-so had an iPhone 10 and how he had $500 in credits on Fortnite. And he was this and that. And he was so rich and so cool. And it's like, but is he kind? Does he, does he do anything for minute for anyone else? Is this his only thing that he's hanging his hat on? Because I know it seems like such a big deal for these kids in, in their tween and teen years, but we just have to remind them that there's a whole big world that could really give a shit about <laughs> the type of phone that you have or the type of games that you're playing. And so that's one thing I've really tried to do with my son is just, clue him in to the fact that him having a smartphone doesn't make him anything special. It just means that we happen to come across a buy one, get one free deal. And so now he has a smartphone instead of a flip phone and that it'll be over if he can't handle it. Um, that it doesn't mean that he's any type of big shot. It just means that he has a phone and, you know, nobody actually really cares in the real world what kind of phone you have in the adult world. And so once these kids get to the seventh, eighth high school age, I think that's where it's it's so critical to try to help them to understand that it's it 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as much as they want to make it out to matter. And even though it feels like it really matters a lot, there's a whole other, there's a whole adult world that, that, that's, it's not important to. There's, there's employers and there's colleges and there's jobs and there's, you know, all kinds of things out in the world and nobody's really, um, too much caring about what type of screen you're looking at. So that's all, that's that for that. I just encourage parents to really, like I say, it's kind of the same takeaway from my last episode about when you're supervising your children in public. This is the same, same message for supervising your children when you're on screens is stay extra paranoid. Like I said, don't assume that they're going to make good choices. Don't assume that you've done everything that you can do to protect them from coming across something inappropriate on their phones. I uh, really believed that of all of the social media and app options, that Snapchat was one of the most innocent um, options because it is just, like I said, a lot of pictures, a lot of filters, a lot of goofy stuff. I was on there trolling through it like I do every night and came across an ad for a website or an app, I guess it is, Plenty of Fish, a dating website, and it was full on, like, boobs out, just a girl with her basically naked, and I'm like, you know what, even on this, it wasn't anything that I clicked on, it wasn't anything that he would have clicked on, it was just on there as an ad that popped up, and here he is, now he's looking at boobs. I mean, you just have to know that that's kind of stuff, no matter how many parental protections or controls or whatever you put into place, those things are going to um, come across their, their face and their eyes and just really um, having conversations and, and monitoring as closely as possible and staying extra paranoid about any type of interactions that they have online and just really uh, being super vigilant with any type of screen and activity that they have, uh, just as you would. And we know when they're in public is supervising them with screens just as much. So yeah, keep your anxieties high. That's my constant pitch. (laughs) Stay anxious, stay paranoid, stay scared, but also trust God. So try to balance it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, that's about it for today. I'm going to wrap this up a little bit of a shorter episode, but like I said, we've got Thursday coming. So look forward to that. Send me, uh, an email at its.me.sam.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can also reach me on the uh, group page as my dear friend Carly did today to let me know that she was looking forward to the next episode. I love you, Carly, and I appreciate that. Uh, I had actually recorded an episode yesterday, and as I listened to it, I was annoyed with myself because it was just... I mean, I ramble. I will ramble, but it was a little bit extra rambly and I couldn't handle it. So I had to re-record today. So I'm glad I appreciate the prompting. So yeah, check out the group page where Carly will hassle me to record new episodes and I, and I will be thankful. Keep doing it. Um, and then also you can find me on Twitter at It's Me Sam Podcast uh, on the Twitter. So Look for me at those places. I'm going to list that information on the information section here. I haven't been doing that, but that way you can connect up with me and then um, send me your questions for black, your black people, um, uh, for, for the African Americans in your world. Send me questions that you maybe don't want to ask them that you're what you want to have answered though. And I'll ask those questions, um, on Thursday and then we'll, uh, we'll get into a lot of topics there too, but 
That's about it. Hey, can you all do me a favor? If you're listening on iTunes, can you uh, leave a rating or and or a comment? Um, that really helps to try to give me an idea on how many people are listening and, and what type of topics you enjoy. And then also, if you're listening and you enjoy it, can you talk about it to somebody and tell somebody I really I'm at I'm at almost 2,000 listens on CastBox and, and numbers don't matter to me all too much but I, I would like to see this grow I would like to see um, you know more people listening so if you're listening and you enjoy it and it's something that you know it brings some positive positivity to your life and you want to share it with somebody else if you could do that uh, I'd really appreciate it and mean the world to me so I love y'all. Y'all have been great. I've had a lot of fun. This has been a good time, um, as always, with this podcast. So I'll talk to y'all the next time. Enjoy the next few days of your week, and I'll see you on Friday. All right, bye.